I'm Brad Hogg, and you're listening to State of Play. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, wherever you are. This is State of Play. My name is Miles Cade, and I'm here alongside Alistair Belling. Alistair, hello. Good morning, Miles. Yes, it is good to be here. Uh, we'll be keeping this episode a little bit shorter today, folks, because, you know, we have commitments, but also it's a shortened tournament. So we'll just keep things very much in the vein of, of what's going on. Semi-finals are already upon us, though, which is crazy to think. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, the comparison is to other tournaments we've had recently. The Big Bash, 50-over Men's World Cup. Even the um, the qualifying for this T20 World Cup, both the women's and men's, just went on forever. And it's pretty refreshing to just get the business done early. Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously it's great to watch good cricket and it has been really competitive games. <clears throat> but I think having high stakes the entire time is really what has made this work. Mm. Like for me personally, as a viewer anyway, and you know, it means there's pressure all the time and that does funny things to teams. And I think that results in some way closer games than you would otherwise get in a big long drawn out Mm. tournament. Before we get to the semifinals, which we're going to spend most of our time hunkering down on, on, on those two games. Um, and we'll also wrap some of the results from the last week. But before we get there, Al, I just want to ask, what's your take on how, what's the what's the cricket been like? Like, what what what's what's your takeaways from the tournament as a whole so far? I think the cricket has been very very entertaining. Like, it's always been competitive to a point. Mm. Often, what seems to happen is a team will make a really like good healthy score batting first. Then you know the second innings will start and things will begin really well. And then either it'll go on from there and be a walkover or there'll be like, you know, a bogging down and, you know, not being able to push on past five or six and over, which is what we saw with New Zealand and Australia, for example. And so teams often might be able to bat out their 20 overs, but not get near the score or get, you know, within 12 or so runs. And that's good in that the matches have felt like they've been alive for a lot longer for the most part. Now, you know, there's been some exceptions to that rule, for example, Pakistan and England, like we saw recently. Mm-hmm. But but I think in terms of the competitiveness and the way you're watching the skills play out on screen, it feels it feels like, you know, to me, it doesn't feel any different from watching the men's game anymore. And I say that because it, like it used to feel really different. And this isn't, you know, a good or a bad thing. It's just how it was. Whereas now it feels like, international cricket in terms of atmosphere. You've got the all-star commentary team, which is really, really fantastic. You have, you know, way more skills on display with both bat and ball. The fielding has left a lot to be desired, generally speaking. But, Mm. you know, the more that these things go on, the better it's going to become. Just to take a a look at run rate in particular, one thing that we've noticed in the men's game over the last 10, 15 years is what's the number at which a run chase becomes impossible. And I think not that long ago, once it was in double digits, you could pretty much call it game over at that point. Um, as long as there was more than four or five overs to go. Do you mean in terms of runs needed? Yeah, 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 per sure. over. So if there was five overs left, 50 runs to get. 15 years ago, that's a walkover for the bowling team. Nowadays, it's close, but you'd give it to the batting team most sides in the men's game. Well, I've heard in the men's game people have said, oh, you know, you don't want it to get up over 12 and over. 12 right? is to a ball, right? Yeah. Um, and I guess the question is, is 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 the women's game kind of 
going to get to that stage because at the moment it feels like run chases above kind of 10 have tended to get out of hand. It depends on the team and who you're playing. So, for example, I think the Australians, if it got up over 12 and over at any point, I think they could pull that back with a couple of big overs. Put Rachel Haynes on strike, well, really. Exactly. As in, well, for example, with the Sri Lanka game that we saw uh, last week, I think there was a point there at the start where Australia needed it was even nine or ten and over. I think it did. I think it did briefly dip over ten with yeah. about four or five overs to go. It, yeah, it crept up a lot, and you know some of these teams don't have as much bowling depth, so you can then pick out that one tweaker or you know slower pace bowler to really attack and get that over of eighteen to twenty off. If you you know if you're really lucky, get more than that, um, and that really pulls it back. And I think that's been the big change in T twenty as well, in both the men's and the women's, is that one over can just change the entire course of a run chase, especially when it's chasing a lower total not that the women's totals have necessarily been that much lower um, it's just that they, they tend to be more consistent I, I, I think across all the overs rather than you know that you, you don't have these 20 plus run overs as often I think but Abs- I haven't got anything to back me up well no absolutely I think you're right so bringing it back to the Australian New Zealand game again that just happened recently where Australia knocked New Zealand out um, we were watching highlights before we started recording this episode and you mentioned, Miles, that, oh, on paper, this game looks a lot closer than it actually was because for the better part, New Zealand were really bogged down and, you know, they, their, their batsmen were getting choked up, not really able to go at any more than a run a ball. But then there was a big over off Nicola Carey that I think went for 15 or 16 and that really gave the, the Kiwis a fighting chance there to take it really deep. Yeah, but even then, it required a, it was eleven runs off the last ball, and and in that last over, I think it never really looked like it was going to happen. Although, uh, maybe we'll get there when we when we get to the game. But there was that controversial moment in the very last ball. Al, I'll, why don't I just run through the results super quickly since we last spoke, and yep. we'll just stop to comment if there's anything worth speaking about. England and Thailand met in Canberra. England put on 176 to Thailand's 78. Heather Knight with a century. And then West Indies and Pakistan faced off. Pakistan chased down 124. I'm really glad they won that game. Yeah. that's That, that was a real... To me, that's a litmus test of how Pakistan's development's going. So that's, that's a good sign. And we've commented as well, they've possibly been the best fielding side in the tournament. They just—they have really great outfield catches, particularly in their game against England. So there you go, big big improvements for Pakistan, I think. Match of the round and arguably of the tournament so far. India played New Zealand in Melbourne. India only put on 133. New Zealand came within three runs, falling just short, um, thanks to some Amelia Kerr heroics, who nearly got them over the line. Australia then crushed Bangladesh 189. Bangladesh just making 103 from their 20 overs. South Africa, Thailand went as predicted. South Africa putting on 195 for three. Thailand continued their um, consistent run um, of digging in, but just not of. They're just not able to score at the rates required. They yeah. they, they made 82. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, up above 80 though. They're really like it's been in the 70s for the for the most part here. <laughs> but it's good to see them not get rolled for like. 20, you know? Yeah, yeah, that, like, that, that's absolutely true. So, different, you know, it cast your mind back to 2003, Namibia getting destroyed to 36 or whatever it was against Auss- mm. the Aussie attack. So, things are changing. Um, the only thing is, some of the bigger names that, that um, a number of us have spoken and written about um, before haven't actually stood, been the ones standing up and making runs. I'm thinking particularly of the, 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 the skipper, Tipok. 
um, as well as Chantam and Boot Boot Chantam and Butchatham. Well done. <laughs> it's an admirable, admirable <laughs> attempt. <laughs> um, it's been the other names who who we don't really know much about who, who've made the run. So that's encouraging, I think, for Thailand that it's not just a one or two person team. England and Pakistan met after that game. Uh, England won fairly comfortably, putting on 158, which was too much for Pakistan, who just made 116. Um, Heather Knight is really good. Yeah, that's what we learned. And so is Sophie Eccleston. That's something. So we, is Sophie Eccleston. That, that's something we knew already going into mm. this tournament, but like her accuracy has just been on point. Um, really cramping the batsmen up with just amazing flight and dip. Uh, you know, <laughs> sounds like you're getting some good tzatziki on a Qantas air, fly, <laughs> air lounge. It is the dip, isn't it? It She bowls. It's not that she's loopy and slow, which a lot of the um, bowlers in this tournament have used the pace to good effect, like the lack of pace. Eccleston fires them in at 80, 80 Ks or so. But she puts so many revs on the ball that it really dips and that that's putting off a lot of batters. Yeah, you need to... I think the only way you can really play her, I think, is to give yourself as much room as possible and just pray you can mm. <laughs> see the ball properly because it's very hard to, to use your feet against her. So very interested to see how that plays out in the semis. Just ripped through some more results before we chat semifinals. New Zealand and Bangladesh played off a low-scoring game. 91 was enough for the Kiwis. Uh, Bangladesh making 74. India and Sri Lanka played each other. Um, India easily chasing down Sri Lanka's 113 for nine. South Africa and Pakistan played um, in a close-ish game. South Africa made 136. That was enough. Pakistan making just 119. Started really well out of the gate, though. Looked gr- they utilized the power play really well, I thought. Um, but got bogged down, like, like we've talked about in the middle overs there at Pakistan. Um, Javiria Khan, the skipper, made 31. And just when she was looking to accelerate, was run out um, by the fingertips of the bowler on a, on a straight drive return. So it was a bit disappointing for her. <laughs> uh, England, West Indies. England comfortably defeating them, 143. Enough to take down West Indies, 97. Sri Lanka easily chased down Bangladesh's 91 for 8. Australia and New Zealand played last night to cap off the last week of games. Um, Close-ish game. Um, 155 Australia put on the board, mostly thanks to Beth Mooney and some late hitting from Rachel Haynes and Elise Perry as well. Yeah, and but, I mean, that's the big talking point. Elise Perry is down now with, with a hamstring injury. Um, I'm not tipping her to play for the rest of the tournament. Mm. I, I think that's expected. Because she's um, she's also been struggling with a hip injury that she picked up and also a shoulder niggle that yeah. she picked up as well. So I think I think Perry's going to have to go on ice for a couple of da- for a couple of days, which is really um, unfortunate, you know, given we're at the clutch end of the of the home tournament. But Rachel Haynes for me has been such a mainstay for that for that Australian squad in this um in this tournament. So there's. It, it sounds, I can't believe we're saying this, but Perry wasn't necessarily that important, if I can say that. There's so much more depth that the Aussies have now. So, I mean, it's hard to see Australia not winning this tournament, but I, st- I still hope they bow out in the semifinals or the final, just <laughs> just for the sake of world cricket, you know, getting getting a bit more of a boost. I, I mean, I, I want to I see the Aussies get up. Um Perry obviously will, will be a big loss, but not as many as not as big a loss as many are tipping. 
potentially given her role in the 2020 setup. Obviously, in one day and test formats, Elise Perry is the Australian team. She's arguably the best bowler and the best batter or has been on many occasions. In 2020, she, she bats well down the order. And although she opens the bowling, she's not the kind of go-to that she might be in in some of the longer formats. So, uh, of course, she's, you know, perhaps the defining Australian sportswoman of the decade, but um, she won't be missed as much as people are, are potentially tipping. Yeah, I think she'll be missed if Australia's chasing and, you know, the likes of Healy and Mooney and Lanning don't get anywhere and Rachel Haynes gets bogged down as well and you need someone to come in and really accelerate to get the run rate up over nine and over in the back end of a high-pressure semi. That's the situation where I think it would sting, but I think Australia have more than enough good players in their arsenal to try and make do with that anyway. So, yeah, big moment there. Disappointing to see the Silver Ferns bow out. The White white Ferns or Silver Ferns? I get this wrong every single time. It's a good question. I, you said what, silver ferns, and I didn't question it. I so. think I think the white ferns. I'm I'm actually feeling like it might be white ferns. I think silver ferns is the netball team. Either way, it was very disappointing to see the Kiwis in their glorious pink kits bow out of the tournament. Um, New Zealand and Pakistan for me have been the most improved in terms of world cricket this tournament gone by. I think Pakistan have looked much more confident in terms of building in innings and in the field they've looked a lot better. There's a lot more passion and energy around the side which is really really great. Um, And New Zealand as well they're actually able to stand up in a major tournament. They haven't played a lot of international cricket recently. They just haven't being gifted the games. So it's awesome to see them being so competitive because that was a knockout match they had against Australia there. So to think of them, you know, essentially finishing in that fifth place is really, really excellent in terms of their development as a squad. And honestly, like if you look at their chase, there's only one thing missing, which is um, all of their top order stood up really other than arguably top scorer, Sophie Devine, the skipper who we've sung her praises on multiple occasions, just never really got it going in, in this particular chase, 31 from 36 deliveries. Definitely a big game. Boogie, bogeyman hanging yeah. over her, I think, in, when it comes to, to the really yeah, well, we, we, we think of the um, Big Bash final where um, things didn't quite go to plan. Yeah, it's the it's the state of play curse. <laughs> <laughs> Come on our podcast yeah. and see your form drop magnificently. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez, uh, Beth Mooney, there's a seat at the table for you. I'm Jim Maxwell, and you're listening to State of Play. Um, let's turn our attention to the semi-finals now. We have a doubleheader happening at the SCG this Thursday coming. I'm very excited to be there myself playing drums of all things. So watch out for me on the TV, repping some of that state of play rhythm. Um, the, like in, like we know the teams that are going through. It's India, South Africa, Australia and England. We do not know who is going to be playing who though because that really depends on how South Africa go in their clutch against the West Indies today mm-hmm. at the time of recording. So if South Africa get up, then they'll play Australia and England will play off against India, which would set up a huge clash potentially in the final if Australia and England meet again for a rematch. Um I think that's maybe what administrators are hoping for because if Australia plays South Africa, then it's more than likely that they'll win. And if they don't play England in a final rematch and they play India, in which case you have a billion people tuning in around the world. I wonder if administrators would prefer it if India make it through just given the um, TV figures and obviously the... um, 
people turn up for Indian um, Indian games yeah. in Sydney and Melbourne, especially. Yeah, there's huge amounts of people will be there. I think the SCG is going to be pretty pumping uh, on Thursday. Given that most of these games have been happening on a work day, I think attendance, we, I mean, we've said it a lot of times, has been really, really great. But I think in particular, it's going to come to a head now this week. Yeah. I mean, this is D-Day, really. We've got the final, Katy Perry's in town. Yeah. She's flogging <laughs> tickets to the cricket. You're not drumming for Katy Perry, are you? I, I'm not drumming for Katy Perry. I would love to crack out some grooves for firework, but that's not going to be happening this time around. Although, the offer's there. If Katy, if you're... AR listens to this podcast, um, feel free to come on. (laughs) Um, So yeah, this is what it feels like the past year has really been building towards actually um, since, you know, these fixtures were announced and both Cricket Australia and the ICC have really been pushing it. So I think there's a lot of, there'll be a lot of nervous, um, nervous administrators around around town at the moment, but things are looking like they're going to play out really nicely, I think. Well, let's dive down a little bit on South Africa, given they're the likely opponents of Australia. Um, just really quickly, Al, where do you see their form? Um, how, how Do you think they've got a chance? I think they've got a chance if, if they can bat first okay. and then put the pressure on Australia. I think if Australia bat first... Um, there's just so much depth still, even without Perry in their batting lineup, that I think they'll be able to rack up a really great score up above that 140 mark. You know, the SCG, I think, will play really, really nicely um, for the Aussie Tweakers as well. It's always traditionally been a turning pitch. Um, gosh, you, you'd hope that as, if you're an Aussie fan that they'll play South Africa because I think if they play England, they're going to have some real issues trying to battle the likes of Eccleston on that, on that deck. Um, but yeah, keeping things... Family on South Africa, I think, yeah, they, they need to bat first to really have a shot here, in my opinion. One of the standout performers for South Africa, at least in recent times, is um, Laura Woolvart, just 20 years old, 53 of 36 against Pakistan. Um, and uh, Dupria as well, um, who's been batting at four, Morgan Dupria between Cap and Woolvart. Um, I think it's really important if, if, if South Africa are going to take it properly deep they're going to need to rely on other players than Marazan Cap, who obviously we've spoken about before she's cold hero fantastic <laughs> with bat and with ball brings a real intensity to the South African side which is something you like to see in cricket just for the record Marazan Cap or Matthew Wade would be the ultimate state of play guests yeah. <laughs> so like those are the two goals of mine for this podcast to get together at the same time it would be it'd be too much so we shouldn't assume that South Africa are going to play Australia. It is likely at this stage, but that is pending the result of uh, their game against the West Indies. Something I will say about South Africa, though, this is the d- deepest they've ever gone in a world tournament. Their best finish before now was sixth in, I believe, 50 over and T20 limited overs. We can get a fact check on that, but I'm fairly confident with that. So they don't have anything to lose here, whereas then you've got the big three, who have their boards really breathing down their necks? I think Australia actually go into the into the semifinals with with the most pressure um, of any of the teams. So I think that'll be a very like you know, given what we've just said, if South Africa do play Australia, because Australia have all that expectation on them and the International Women's Day MCG clash coming up. That could give South Africa an edge because so much is riding on Australia being there. So that would be a pretty amazing game. Were they to play England though, I would actually back England um, purely based on how good Eccleston's bowling is. 
based on how good Heather Knight's form has been and, you know, just the, the experience in terms of they've, they've won this tournament before and they know what it takes. Al, as is our custom, let's super quickly breeze around the grounds um, all around the world. Around the world in 30 seconds. Biggest news in international cricket is New Zealand's victory in the second test. Make it 2-0 against India. India's horror run of form at, in, at Kiwi grounds continues, which is interesting. I mean, the, the Kiwis are unabashedly preparing absolute green decks. And even on day three, day four, it's just... Shiny and green <laughs> on top. Do Do New Zealand have any chance of getting to the final of the World Test Championship? Look, um, who knows? I that would be <laughs> a Trans Tasman Test Championship Whoa. back at Lords, and it, it, like, given that that's going to be a timeless test as well, I would love to see Trent Bolt on day eight <laughs> trying try to trying to get New Zealand over the line. <laughs> Um, New Zealand actually jumped uh, leapfrogged Australia, I think, into second position on the test rankings. So, oh, come on. Um, Unreal. It's good to see the Kiwis with their tail up again. It feels like yeah. they've, they've had to go for a bit of a rebuild after that Australian tour. And that Australian tour, I think, exposed the very real vulnerabilities that were there. New Zealand, are, to me, are just the most interesting team in world mm. cricket at the moment because you can never get a read on if are they actually good or not. Well, this is the thing. They've got Kyle Jamison, who's who's the, the, the revelation of the series, and Colin de Grandome running in bowling 125 Ks, averaging mid-20s in New Zealand conditions. You just th- you just wonder if they're going to struggle in most places around the world, though the yeah. way that they bowl. New Zealand in Bangladesh would be a very would be an interesting <laughs> matchup. South Africa and Australia are playing some one dayers over on the African continent at the moment. Um, South Africa comfortably winning the first ODI. Heinrich Klassen with a classy century. Good, great, yeah, well done. And also like. He just looks like Faf Duplessis, but with a bit more facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as he peeled the lid off, I was like, oh, come yeah. on. It's just the same <laughs> dude. Is he the one who's married to Faf's sister? One of them is married to Faf's sister. Uh, I'm, I can't think of who it is, but if, it, if it's him, that would be incredibly hilarious as well. We'll, uh, we'll find that one up um, in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> Sri Lanka and West Indies are playing some ODIs at the moment. They've been playing some games. Sri Lanka winning all three one-day games quite comfortably. Note that's a lie, actually. Um, we as when we last spoke, they won a game by one wicket, then dominated the Windies, scoring three hundred forty-five. Most recent game, winning by just six runs. West Indies chase. Um, they scored three hundred one, but it wasn't quite enough. Again, Sri Lanka, great, great to see them play more cricket. A New Zealand v Sri Lanka Test series in Sri Lanka. The candy showed. I mean, we just had it recently, and I think New Zealand um, fixed them up pretty comfortably. But then I think Sri Lanka might have taken it to them in some one-day games afterwards. So, you know, anyway, that's not really relevant. Finally, uh, Zimbabwe are in Bangladesh. As we've spoken about, Bangladesh won the only test by an innings and 106 runs and comfortably won the first one-day game by 169 runs. So um, it'd be good to see Zimbabwe kind of put up a fight in, in some, some coming games. They've got plenty of opportunities, a couple more one days and T20 games. I think it's a bit of a relief though for Bangladesh as well to be winning by that margin. You know, like Bangladesh should be dominating 
those those associate nations now and so it's good to see that things are things are going to script as far as that's concerned but as far as we're concerned we're excited to see the semi-finals of this great tournament so we will definitely squeeze another episode in before the final but until then i'm al belling and i'm miles Cade. catches see ya